Hello, you gorgeous teacher. Welcome to Everything EFL. If you are one of my lovely regular listeners, welcome back. If you're a brand new listener, you're most welcome, and I hope you stick around. So this episode is a little bit different. So let me just backtrack, okay? Actually, no, let me just start by saying this is my 100th episode. Yay me, I'm really excited. I can't believe I actually got this far. But if you look at my episode list, you'll see that it starts at around 30. So you're probably thinking, well, what about the first 30 episodes, Erin? What happened there? Well, I used to have a co-host for the first 30 episodes. His name is Shane Callahan. We parted ways during lockdown, all very amicably, but... I would thought I'd bring him back for one night only just so we could sort of celebrate, have a trip down memory lane, talk about the lockdown. And, you know, he is very near and dear to my heart because at the end of the day, even though the podcast is a completely different animal to what it was in the beginning, would it have occurred to me to make a podcast if it hadn't been for me and Shane messing around? You know, who knows? So in my mind, he is integral to the process and the podcast. So without further ado, guys, let's crack on. Enjoy the episode. (laughs) Welcome to Everything EFL. My name's Erin O'Byrne, and I firmly believe that you as a teacher are special, amazing, creative, and passionate. But it's very easy to get burnt out and overwhelmed. With my podcast and my teacher training, I aim to help you avoid burnout and cut down on your prep time so you can unleash your creativity and enjoy your work more mindfully. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to Everything EFL. Is that how we used to, how did we used to introduce it? Was it just welcome to everything? Oh no, you you would say. Hi everyone. And then I would say, I'm Erin, and you would say... I'm Shane. Or is it the other way around? And then you would do... Do you remember the disclaimer? This this podcast can be taken anally, um, (laughs) but uh, we don't have any legal responsibility if you take it orally. Was that? Yeah, that was... That word for word, well done. (laughs) That was a a different podcast I was doing. I dread to think... And I could fully believe it's true as well. Um, so remember, though, it was like, we are not. I feel like I'm in the classroom. We are not. Illicit. <laughs> uh, we are not experts, yeah. but we do know our stuff. Credit will be given where possible. Amazing. Something like that. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Shane, I usually send a list of questions to my guests. But I know that you wouldn't even look at them. So and also this this is kind of in the style of our episodes as well. You know, Um, I used to write a list of shit to say and you would just turn up and be really funny. So (laughs) can you remember how it all began? Um, No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't remember. Um, I remember doing the teachers conference. That was really cool. And I think we had started the podcast a few, like maybe two months before that. I think we started a wee bit before that. No, do you know what it was? You had that other podcast, Another Existential Crisis, because you had like a Christmas series where you invited your friends on to talk about Christmas. And then after that, I think one of like one of us said, should we 
she would just do a podcast. That was literally it. That's what I remember. Like, it was just like, yeah, all right. Yeah, and I remember we used to kind of record it on, on our phones in a spare room in DCU. Yeah, so we had classrooms. We had the kitchen in your flat in Fibsborough with the fridge, the hum of the fridge. Do you remember that? Ah, uh, the fridge. Yes, the good old fridge. What? Oh, can you remember what equipment we used to have? If you can call it that. Yes. <laughs> um, I remember we we didn't know anything about sound, you know, and we were recording it and we thought we sounded amazing. But then you would listen to it with certain headphones or on a certain phone and it wouldn't sound so good. And then I remember having a, a duvet over my head, like some type of like pterodactyl Batman, as if that was going to improve the situation. Um, yeah, we had we had interesting. What, what equipment do you remember? Um, we had two really shit microphones and I used to put a fluffy sock over them. Do you remember? <laughs> it's like a, a wind popper. <laughs> yes, but they were expensive. The blue one was like 80 euros or something. Was it? Yeah. Jesus, I thought we only paid 40 for what a load of crap. What? How much is that microphone you have there? That looks amazing. This is a Blue Yeti and um, somebody who else has a somebody else who has a podcast put me onto this. Hi, Erin Myers. And this cost about 100 euros, just over 100 euros. And that was what, a few years ago? But it's it's I like it. What about editing, Shane? <laughs> is that are you laughing because I used to swear all the time? No, there just was no editing, was there? It was like, right, we're going to do it in one take. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Regardless remember, of the results. Yeah. And that's what used to um, get uploaded, um, <laughs> which is great. Um, but they were funny. I do, like, I I kind of went through them in lockdown um, just to try and, like, polish them up a little bit. And I was laughing out loud quite a lot, I have to say. They were really good to listen back to again. I mean, for me, that was always the goal. I was always to you were always really good coming with like inventive ideas helpful useful stuff um for teachers you were planned you were organized you're ready to go I was just going in wanting, wanting to have like loads of fun and not really do anything um I would have I don't think I realized it was a podcast about teaching until we had to do a live version in front of teachers and then I thought, ah, okay. Uh-oh. Which segues very nicely into the next section entitled ELT Island. Can you remember what year it was? Yeah, I can. Hang on, I can calculate it. Um, it could have only been 2009. Teen. 2019, yes. Sorry, <laughs> wow. Um, that was great fun, ELT Island. We did a session on Suggestopedia, didn't we? I think the theme was yeah. something about looking at the past or something I can't remember and we just did like um a slideshow about Suggestopedia but I, th- I thought it was quite good I thought it went down really well I yeah again it was entertaining it was probably one of my first early ventures into stand-up comedy which I do now that was like the pre-evolved state of of that yeah I remember making the audience laugh a lot and I think there was really good speakers all throughout the day they were really good but how do I say this in the most diplomatic way possible? There's no light relief. We were like the dessert, <laughs> you know, in a way. Like it was, it was just this fun. It was a, it was a fun podcast at, at, at the end, and also it was, it was, it was a live recording of a podcast, which is kind of cool. 
Yeah, I had I had great fun, but I remember the night before I was really nervous. Like we'd we'd gone through it a few times, um, and I was like, I stayed over your place, didn't I? When you were in that flat with the mezzanine, and oh, yeah. you had you were just recovering from whooping cough. <laughs> so all night I just had to listen to you go coughing, and um, it was great. I really appreciate not sleeping a wink that night. So thank you for that. Um, if that was hooping cough, maybe that was 2020. The, yeah, I think you might be right. It might have been just before. Oh, was it the year before? No, no, it wasn't. It was that year. Has your like concept of time just completely disappeared since lockdown? Well, my concept of illness has because I always get morbidly sick around January, February, which I think is when the ELT uh, thing was. Now, I know I got incredibly sick in February of 2020, but nobody knew what it was. And I remember every, I went to the doctor and I was like, I can't like, it was all early things of Corona. And the guy was like, have you been to China? And I was like, no, but I work with a lot of Chinese students. Didn't care, was like, whatever. Um, That was, they're like, it's not even in Ireland. Like, don't worry about it. And yeah, I, I don't know. I'm figuring that was when I had my hooping cough. But yeah, that was 2020. I got the mm. wrong. Um, so let's talk about lockdown. Um, it was quite an experience. You were in the asshole of the countryside, staying at your parents. I was living in a caravan at the time with no internet because we were building our house. Um, how on earth did we get anything recorded? <laughs> it was a bloody miracle. We did. Yeah, we did a couple. I remember because so lockdown in Ireland happened in March. Mm. And then we thought society was going to go reasonably back to normal in by June. But then I remember by July, my mum got sick. So we went into our own kind of self-imposed lockdown um, before there were any vaccines available. So my ta- my lockdown was longer, I think, than a lot of other people's. But um, yeah, in the first couple, I think we did them online. I had terrible internet signal, I remember. Um, do you remember our business cards and our logo? Yes, I do. I remember our business cards. I remember our logo. I remember our T-shirt. And the ELT Island. I don't know where mine is, but I've lost a lot of weight. And I remember if we tried on the T-shirt, when we did our podcast... At the beginning of 2020, when you came to stay with me in Dublin and I had my whooping cough, I know I was on steroids. I did it. Be- I was prescribed them because I was so sick. So I remember, I think I was my biggest ever. So I would love to fit into that T-shirt again and be like, yeah, look at me. I'm so slim. But I don't know where the T-shirt is. Oh but you, you rebranded and I love the logo of you, like the avatar. Thank you. I'm really proud of that because I tried to get some help with the logo from someone who did a bit of design on the side and and they know me as well. So like what they came back with was shite. <laughs> I was like, I, I need and like I think there was a bit of a trend at the time for people to start doing sort of cartoonized versions of themselves and having them on logos and stuff. And you're better off using your face in some way as well um, with some sort of brand. So, yeah, I chose that and I thought it was really cool. And I love the colors. They're very girly, but then like the majority of my listeners um, and followers are women so you know men just like be comfortable with your feminine side like the logo subscribe to everything EFL yeah do it do it man well teaching is one of those industries that's mostly female dominated 
Yeah. Um, but like, if you look at the big names, a lot of them, are, most of them seem to be men. I mean, there are a lot of big female names as well, but like the real big ones, you know, you've got Scott Thornbury and uh, I'm going back a bit now, Mario Rimvalukri and um, my mind is gone. But like, Michael you know. Swan. Huh? Michael Swan. Michael Swan. He's the Messiah. Adrian Underhill, uh, Hugh Della, John Hughes, you know, they're, and you know, they're great. No shade. I've interviewed a couple of them. But, you know, I think it's changing now, you know, it is because there's lots of sort of drives towards teachers having their own business. And a lot of women naturally go to women, I think. Um, so that's good. Paying it forward. Absolutely. Sisters are doing it for themselves, Shane. And I'm also here. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how long have you been teaching now? 14 years. Is there anything that still gives you the the teacher feels, you know, something you do in class or that kind of spontaneously happens that gives you the feels? So or are you just I, dead inside? Well, no, it would appear that way. But uh, no, I am. I'm doing quite a different role now than what I was doing when I was with you, because we were teaching adults. We were teaching business. We were teaching exams to get visas. And we were also teacher trainers. Um, now I'm in primary schools. I'm in um, Central Europe teaching in a public primary school. So that comes with a whole different kettle of fish. First of all, these students are not paying me. Um, they didn't decide to do the program. Their parents did. So it is challenging in, in very different ways. But excitement is pretty cool. I just love teaching I'm like a big kid. My two favorite topics to teach now, and I never realized these are my favorite topics. To teach. I love teaching the solar system and dinosaurs. Oh, yes. Two fab topics. Because they are the only two top. Well, they're not the only two. There's many. But they bind us all together. They are um, our individual narratives of whatever religion we are, whatever gender, whatever nationality, anything. None of that matters. Like when you're looking at like the vastness of the solar system, like Earth is a tiny, tiny speck of dust underneath one fiber of your carpet in your huge house. Like it's just, um, it, it's a very, very unifying topic and it really captures the imagination. Also like um, the length of time dinosaurs have been alive, what really killed them, all the different types in their evolution. It, like it, it's really cool to see kids being fascinated. And when the weather is really good, I go out into the park and I pretend that I'm the sun and all the kids have to get into a line and like orbit me. Uh, oh so like, with someone is the moon. And obviously there's more kids than there are planets. So some of them get to be um, comets or dwarf planets. Some of them get to be part of the asteroid belt. Some of them want to be, you know, if one girl is like, I'm Jupiter. Then all of her friends want to be like, I want to be a moon on Jupiter. And so then they all become moons on Jupiter. And they have to orbit her while she's orbiting me. And um, we all just go in the park and run around in circles. It's brilliant. So you were right all along, Shane. Everything does revolve around you. Ah, oh, oh, give this woman a tick. Oh, do you like that? Do you like that? Do you? I, I, oh, everyone listening is going to think that we rehearsed that. But we <laughs> you can take that out. one for your stand-up if you can fit it in. You're welcome. Aha, uh-huh, okay, okay. I won't because my stand-up's generally funny. <laughs> Touche, bitch. Touche. Uh, <laughs> oh. 
English is cool. And that's such a useful weapon that we have in comparison to other subjects. Like by the time any kid hits 10 or 12, it's like, listen, the music that you listen to, it's in English. The TV you watch, it's in English. The celebrities you like, it's in English. The football stars you like, the, the video games that you're playing, you know, are in English. So if a kid is really into video games and they're playing Call of Duty every day on their Xbox, it's in English. If they love Billie Eilish or Wednesday on Netflix, it's in English. So it's very easy to find a common ground with them. That's a yeah. cool advantage. Yeah. And I also, I went to TESOL Spain last week and, um, oh God, what was the guy's name? It might be James Seymour. Apologies if I've got that wrong. Not that he listens to this podcast, but we can always hope. Um, what was my point? Yeah, he teaches young learners and one of his tips, and I think this is, it's so simple, but it's so brilliant, is keep it local. So he had loads of little activities where they involve pictures of celebrities, you know, like places in their town, pictures and maps of the place they lived at and just kind of really simple stuff like that that students can immediately connect to. And I just thought that was such a brilliant idea. Yeah, and they yeah they love explaining things to me like uh, monuments. I don't understand why that monument is there. I don't know who that statue is. They love explaining all of that to me. And also, uh, I, I think we've spoken about this before with students. Is they love when you're vulnerable too. Like you're not this all powerful, all knowing, authoritative figure. Like they can see that if I'm talking to another teacher or to you know, the janitor or the gardener in the school that I cannot really speak Slovak very well. It's quite terrible. And they, I mean, they're kids. They laugh at me and they make fun of me. It's absolutely fine. But it gives them a lot of confidence to speak because it's like, yeah, you know, I'm not so good at language either. So it doesn't matter if you're not so good at it and you mess it up. We're in the same, we're completely in the same position. In fact, you're in a stronger position because I'm the one who looks stupid on a daily basis. Um, so that kind of makes them, even the really shy ones, it makes them a lot better going like, you know what, I can, I can glue together a couple of sentences in English because this guy is nice and he makes a fool out of himself every day. So it's fine. Um, and that's like, vulnerability is a really good point. It's, I'm, I'm going to come out with like a, a series over the early summer, late spring, and it's going to be called like Keys or Keys to Teaching or something. And one, they're going to be really short episodes. And one of them is going to be about vulnerability um, because you have to appear human to your students. You can't just be, there can't be this complete barrier between your teacher and student. You have to be relatable and human to them. And, you know, like RuPaul always says on RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, that vulnerability will allow us to fall in love with you. And he's so right. He's always right. Yeah, the vulnerability is a really important thing because I think there's a sort of a, obviously in primary schools, there does need to be discipline. There does need to be authority. You know, you do need to take responsibility. That might be a little bit different from what a lot of your listeners are used to teaching adults. But the whole point is the same. If someone looks upon you as an expert on everything, they're not really like, you know, they're not going to really open up to you. That's not a very relatable thing. Um, But if there's maybe, if there's some things I know, and there's some things that you, uh, you know, and vice versa. I, when I was teaching adults as a, you know, ESL teacher in the, in the traditional sense, I always told them, I'm not smarter than you. I just speak English better. It's the only thing I do better. It's my English is better than your English. That's it. That's why we're all here. I'm not smarter than you. There's a load of things I don't know. Um, Did you have your fingers crossed behind your back when you said that? Oh, I'm like, hello. Oh, hello. You are so lucky you're in my room. I'm amazing. <laughs> Have you met me? I'm not great. 
Yeah, I, I think that thing about them being able to teach you or the rest of the class is um, really useful. Um, I've got an elementary adult class at the moment and we've gone through sort of the motions. I've tried to make it engaging and talk, and talk about each other. And I'm kind of wondering how I can bring their knowledge of something into it. Um, they're quite low level. So any suggestions? I guess if they wanted to bring their knowledge in, I think they could talk about their individual jobs using a lot of pictures. Yeah, because they've actually just done um, jobs in the book. So do you have any standout episodes or episodes that you thought were standout episodes or ones you particularly enjoyed or remember? I did love the one on Parsnip. That was our very first episode. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. Talking about uh, taboos and things that you're not supposed to talk about and why and obviously um the second condition because it's our favorite thing in the world the second condition (laughs) do you know what um i was teaching ielts years ago now and i referred to the second conditional as the second condition and later on in the lesson one of the students was like so erin when you uh use the second condition do you do (laughs) i was like yeah i just love that like i started saying that because you started saying that and no one says that no one like it's just it's it's just it's it, it's our thing but um I I have to teach mathematics sometimes now and I oh just oh my god well it's, it's actually I didn't realize it's such an amazing thing to teach through English um mm. because you can start off really like how many legs does a chicken have two okay well I have 10 chickens how many legs is that <gasps> that's amazing um, so it's all very speech orientated and it's like, okay, so all try, uh, 10 chickens. Okay. So each chicken lays one egg every day. How many do I get in a week? But mm. um, the way I feel about the second conditional when I'm doing like English grammar, it's how I feel about triangles. I love triangles. I feel like they're just, they're just badass squares. Like they give zero fucks. They mm. just they don't care. Three care. pointy corners. They're just like, do you know what? You've got your rectangles, you've got your squares, you've got your circles. Watch this. And I just think triangles are amazing. Toblerone, a pyramid. They're fucking brilliant. Lay one on top of the other, turn it upside down. you got yourself a star. Yeah, boom. Done. Sold. More sold than before. Yeah, got to love, got to love them. Yeah. Amazing. So here's a question because... Um, I do some teacher training with uh, teachers who are from mainstream schools, usually high schools, but they're from sort of Italy, Czech Republic, Spain, stuff like that. And the biggest thing, I think one of the biggest issues they have is like, we know loads of stuff. And in our workshops and and presentations and slideshows with our teacher training, um, with our trainees, we tend to just throw loads of stuff at them. But the reality is they can't really fit a lot of this stuff into a 50 minute lesson twice a week. Um, so how did you feel going from a language school where you've got like nearly four long, luxurious hours with a, with a class to, okay, I've got 50 minutes to teach the second condition or whatever. Yeah, that is a, yeah, that's a really good question. You, 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 that's a really good question. Sorry, I mumbled there. You, you don't have 50 minutes, like realistically, because the second conditional will take place over like two or three weeks. And you're doing those 50 minutes every day. So it it's not a massive difference. You're just breaking it into bite-sized pieces. 
there are some things like we don't really do warmers. Okay, like honestly, in public school, you don't really do a warmer because I'm not going to do a warmer seven times in a day for 10 minutes to like it, it. That's just not a productive um, use of time. And homework correcting, we do it a lot quicker. There are some really good ESL philosophies where if you're teaching in a language academy, they work really well. In public school, they tend not to work so well with kids. And one of the main things is classroom management. Um, there is, I mean, all of the children I teach are really, really good, but like, you know, they're, they're, they're kids. Like they, they stop paying attention. You have to, you know, or they'll ask you a completely irrelevant question to something else, or they'll start speaking in their own language. I guess you do structure your class differently, but you kind of know they're not going to grip the second conditional in 50 minutes. It's not going to happen. Um, they might learn how to make it and you might practice with them making it. Then the next class, you might practice with them speaking it. And then maybe the next two classes, exactly what does it mean? Uh, why is it different from the first conditional? Uh, so you kind of break those things up into chunks rather than being like, okay, they're going to they're gonna get this uh, from the beginning. It's, it often doesn't work. Um, and I think that's probably the best way of approaching it, like breaking it up into little chunks. So you're moving from activity to activity and you're slowly building. Like when I used to be in the DCU choir, we'd, we'd practice just, you know, half a page of um, sheet music. And we'd go over it a couple of times and then we'd put it down and we'd go on to a different song. And then each every week you just kind of slowly build. So it's the same kind of thing, isn't it? I think that's probably a better way of teaching, especially if you've um, like you've got these little 50 minute segments where you have to throw stuff at them. Do you agree that um, a, a large part? Well, no, actually, I'll rephrase it so it's not leading. What do you think for you has worked in terms of classroom management? What's important? I think they genuinely like me without trying to sound a bit too arrogant. Like, I think they, you know, like, they, like I, okay, I, do, I teach, uh, my youngest student is five, my oldest student is 22. So okay. quite a range. I teach in a university, two primary schools and one secondary school. Now, the secondary school, the biggest problem I have is apathy. Like, just, <laughs> just like I, I don't care. It's very unusual, but it does happen. Because again, normally English is like, uh, you know, it, it's a gateway. Everyone knows it's a gateway. So in that sense, they're they're, they're kind of happy with it. Um, so I'm 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 pretty. I would I can't take a lot of credit for it really because it is the school. Uh, it, you know, a, a lot of it is down to um, it's down to schools. One thing I think culturally is quite interesting is the way that kids sit in classrooms. Um, you know, uh, I'm very strict on how they sit. I don't, and all you know, like I, I, your head on the table, or like you know, your elbow kind of like I, I don't really, um, allow that. You have to be up and focused and like, like ready to go. So those, the, those types of things, um, make classroom management a lot easier. I'm really tolerant to people who are tired. You know, if you're tired, like I, I remember being at school almost thinking I'd fall asleep. I just tell them, listen, get up, go out, just go for a walk for five minutes and come back. It's more mm. productive. Um, and they're not punished for doing that. I don't know how they're sleeping at home. Yeah, normally pretty reasonable. And I think when, when someone is being rude, especially kids, 
they're never really talking to their friend or like not doing their homework or not paying attention. It's never really personal. So if you like explode at them because you think your ego's being attacked, uh, they will really take that to heart. You know, so I, I think that, you know, you do have to remember that you are an adult in that sense. So. Yeah, that's a really, really good thing. It's never personal because sometimes it can feel personal. And I think that can drain a lot of energy from you. Um, so that's a really good tip. Um, how do you build trust with them? Well, that's going back to the vulnerability thing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, they know, that, they know that they're in a safe space. They can look at this person and go, look, he's nice and he's smart, but he's not an expert on everything. because He can't even speak my language. I speak my language a lot better than he does. Mm. Um, so um, when they make a mistake and when they mess up, uh, how do you react? Do you expose? I, mean, I never really raise my voice. I never really raise my voice, but I do uh, click my fingers, make them stand up and go and like make them feel very foolish, um, you know, for what they're doing. Um, if they're doing something, you know, uh, quite stupid. So do you do anything specifically to build relationships or do you just sort of go in and crack a few jokes? I go, yeah, I, I may, I tell funny stories. I make them all laugh. Like I had this really embarrassing incident recently where a ticket inspector got on the bus and, you know, I was just minding my own business. I had my headphones in. I was listening to Beyonce. Going, we don't fuck up yeah, you were. Yeah, I was. And then this guy was like, ticket, ticket, however you say it. So, and I thought it was a homeless person. Oh. Um, so I was like, no, <laughs> I was trying to ignore him. And, was like, no. and then he wouldn't leave me alone. So eventually I gave him like a euro to go away, uh, which is more than what the ticket cost. Um, and then someone came down and explained, so I asked for my euro back. <laughs> <laughs> really? I was like, oh, I think you're working, like you're working for the bus company, like give me my euro. It was really embarrassing. But I tell this like really funny story and the kids think it's absolutely hilarious. And what they're really doing is I have everyone silently listening um, in English. So that's kind of cool. And like they, uh, you know, they ask questions and, and stuff like that. And um, I also think a lot of us uh, teachers, even with adults, we use these filler questions like what did you do at the weekend or how was your evening or what did you think of the homework? And I do think we are human beings. Sometimes we ask those questions as a manner of autopilot. Mm. but it doesn't matter how good someone's language ability is I know if you're listening like I know if I know if a cat is paying attention to me I think when we ask those questions we have to genuinely really be interested in the answers and have follow-up questions that's that's super important I don't I never want to talk if I'm not being listened to and especially in another language and I have seen teachers go okay tell me about your weekend and as the students talking like they're not really listening they're looking at them but they're not really listening it's sort Mm. of a filler sentence you know yeah yeah um okay is there anything else do you have any questions for me um uh, tell me about your podcast success because we have not been in the same room I'm going to estimate for over a year and you have been podcasting 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 You've got this cool logo. Is this 200 episodes for real or 100? It's 100, um, which is mad. Um, It would have been more, but I wouldn't put myself under the pressure of doing one a week. It's just too much with work. Yeah, but you've got like, you've got all of this cool equipment. You tell me, how was this? How has it been for you? Um, I was a teeny bit trepidatious when we parted ways, 
hello vocabulary. Oh, I know. One has been teaching IELTS, so, you know. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, no, it was a bit trepidatious, but I, at the same time, I, you know, I was always quite passionate about it. So it just, I just really wanted to carry on, but I did have a lack of confidence a little bit. So the first few episodes um, were tended to be with people. I think I tended to have more guests near the beginning because it was a bit of a safety net. And then um, I started doing more and more solo episodes. And actually, do you know what? I forgot how much I enjoy writing. I used to write a lot as a teenager, write little poems and odes, and I loved writing stories for English. Um, so just going back to that creative process of just sitting, having some ideas and then, you know, typing it all out and, and putting together an episode can be quite enjoyable as well. When I'm in the flow, I can knock out loads of episodes. So that's been really nice. And then channeling that creativity into my videos and reels as well. I've started messing around a little bit with like um, different shots and angles and different characters and stuff. And um, that's been really cool. That's a really nice way to channel um, my creativity as well. And you've been making videos as well, haven't you, Shane? They're clips of my stand-up comedy shows. I started doing stand-up comedy in September. And yeah, I'm going to be in Edinburgh in August, biggest comedy festival in the whole world. So I'm super, super. But yeah, yeah, I've got a few gigs. I've got a few gigs in a few different locations. I've got three so far. I'm going to be there for two weeks and I am just going to mother myself all over the place, as many bars, pubs as I possibly can to get stuff. Yeah. Okay. But you have made little real reels and stuff as well of you sitting there on your bed and or, or just sort of generally bitching about stuff, um, which is always... I have. I have. I'm very good at lying on my bed and bitching about stuff. I'm on Instagram at Shane Callahan and TikTok at Shane Does Comedy. Um, yeah, you can find me there. That's where I'm doing my... Spreading my nonsense to the world. Which is to be honest, opinion. like, I just... It's it's a shock to me that you didn't do it earlier. I've heard this a lot. Yeah, yeah. It just seems a natural progression because you're very quick and off the cuff. So, like, even if your written material's shite, like if someone heckles you, <laughs> then you could then, then you'll be funny. <laughs> you know, so you would, everybody will get something out of it. You would imagine, yeah. I'm not, like on stage, you freeze a bit. Like that, that, that's that's a vulnerability where you're not as confident. And I think some of your listeners who are new teachers will probably relate to that when you're standing up in front of a classroom. You and I have been doing this for over a decade. We're kind of fine. Someone can hit us with anything. And we sort of know uh, what we're doing. I would probably be like that as a stand-up comic in a couple of years. At the moment, I rehearse, 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 and I have my thing. And if it's not, if it doesn't go that way, I get kind of confused. You know what I mean? I'm like a teacher who's just started teaching a couple of months ago. Well, it's good. You're honing your craft. You know, you're doing what you need to do. I think it's brilliant. It's just, uh, yeah, it's really, really cool. And I love watching your little reels and videos and stuff. It's great. It's great stuff. I am happy to entertain Miss Erin O'Byrne. Mrs., if you don't mind. Mrs., are you not married? You shitting me. (laughs) Well, you are married. (laughs) To John. Haven't you met John, haven't you? Yes. Why would you be Mrs.? What? Why would you be missus? Because I'm married. Uh, do you know what? Fuck straight people. I don't know what you people do. Oh, missus is the married version. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, I get it now. <laughs> not really a word that you need to know. <laughs> no, not me. no, not me. Really. And also in Ireland, they use uh, your missus. Um, I would definitely love to have you back as a guest, if that is okay. And we can just talk more shite.
I would love to talk shite with you on a podcast. I mean, we did it together for so long when we were working together. It is an absolute joy and a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that was Mr. Shane Callahan, my ex-podcast partner and friend. And um, I have to say, I do, I do, I do miss you, Shane. Um, I wish that you were in the same country. You're great crack, as the Irish say. Okay, guys. So as per usual, if you haven't subscribed to Everything EFL, what are you doing with your life? Pause now and subscribe. I'll give you a few seconds and come back to me. Otherwise, you can follow me on Instagram. You can follow me on LinkedIn. There seems to be loads of engagement on LinkedIn, which I'm really happy about at the moment. So keep those messages coming. Keep those comments coming. I love engaging with you. And yeah, as always, keep your eyes and ears peeled because I've got lots of exciting projects coming up. And I'll tell you all about them on social media and also on the podcast as and when. But as always, guys, look after yourselves. Have a lovely, peaceful week and share the love. Bye.